If your business is tired of paying unpredictable and high phone bills, do what I did. Switch to Zoom Calls Cloud Business Phone Service. You'll pay the same low amount every month, no matter how many calls you have in the U.S. and Canada. And Zoom Calls has a really cool feature called voicemail drops. Whenever you reach someone's voicemail, just say hi in their name and then click a couple of buttons on your phone to leave your pre-recorded message. It saves both your voice and your time. Check out zoomcalls.com. That's zoomcalls.com. I think you'll love it. Attention, you're listening to the Todd Huff Radio Show, America's home for conservative, not bitter talk radio. Be advised that the content of this program has been documented to prevent and even cure liberalism, and listening may cause you to lean to the right. Here's your conservative, but not bitter host, Todd Huff. That is right. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. And yes, I watched this this disaster of, I guess, what you would call a convention last night. We'll talk about that, but it's good to be here. Thank you for joining us. Email Todd at ToddHuffShow.com. Facebook.com slash Todd Huff Show. Should you want to watch this live or on demand? As we've been streaming on Facebook here. <laughs> it's like I hit the wrong intro. I tell you what, it's one thing after. You know, I use this for our other, um, another business that we own called Encapsulate, which is um, an interesting product. And we've apparently I need to switch the the intro was different, so sorry about that. Anyway, it's good to be here. So, um, last night I watched this thing, this convention. This thing was I thought incredibly awkward. Of course, and everything was pre-recorded, which, by the way, is again a dream for the Democrat Party as they think about what to do with Joe Biden. Now, they've come out and said that Kamala Harris and Joe Biden's speeches will not be pre-recorded. I think I saw that this morning. I'm not convinced of that. I think this is a match made in heaven. I think this is exactly what they want. I think that having something pre-recorded, this is, again, a virtual convention, and not just a virtual in the sense that they're not meeting in person. Right, we've we've come to that point in time where virtual simply means to most people it is not in person. Right, a virtual meeting via Zoom or whatever is is kind of how people talk about things today. But I believe that this is a virtual candidacy in much more profound and much more fundamental ways. It is virtual in the sense that it is not real. Of course, I would maintain and I would argue that the Democrat Party's arguments have not been real and substantive in a long time. The Democrat Party's positioning of the way things work in the United States, the narratives they create, the identity politics that they build upon, those it's really not there. It is it is created. It is manufactured, meaning that the left to 
um, left to our own choices individually, left to our own ability to navigate life without constantly being told that every single thing we do, every thought we have, every action we take, every action we don't think, uh, take is either political or, of course, racist in nature. We can't even, as, as white people, we're told, we can't even comprehend we don't even know the amount of racism that we have simply by virtue of being white, which, of course, is racist in and of itself. But no, no, it's not. See, that's the beauty of this. They don't have to admit their own racism. They can tell us that we're effectively beyond hope, that people like Nick Cannon can tell us that we're basically barbarians because we don't have enough melanin in our skin. We're the ones. We're the ones who are savages. That's what Nick Cannon called us and he's perplexed as to why people don't seem to understand and get this truth bomb that he's dropping on society and so this works with some folks doesn't work with me i'm guessing it doesn't work with you either but for some folks they worry about this they think maybe i am racist maybe i am a hater of some group of people because somebody walks up to the debate stage, although not really a debate stage, not really a debate stage, not really a convention stage. They walk in from, they walk into a, a production studio or something that's staged to be, uh, look like a stage, but it is a production studio and they go out and they say some stupid things and people, um, buy into what they're saying. And they suddenly think the only way to atone for my inappropriate behavior, my, my bad ideas, whatever they've accused me of is to, is to run out today and to vote and to vote Democrat. I will say, I want to go through this top to bottom, this Democrat day, day one. We've got three more nights of this. I don't know if I can take this three more nights. Now, I'm not even talking, I, I'm not even talking about the things that are being said on the stage, what these candidates stand for, the misrepresentations, the inaccuracies, the lies, um, and the sales pitch. I, and I, I'm not even talking about the quote-unquote substance, although there is no substance. It's a smoke and mirror show. It is deception. It is designed to, of course, get a virtual candidate elected, one that hides in his basement, one that only operates from pre-written scripts. In fact, last night, Biden... Biden, they had a recorded, I tell you what, this thing was so ridiculous last night, but they had Biden, they were recording Biden sitting on a stool or some such thing in front of like, I think it was five cameras talking with, I know the mayor of Chicago was up there, um, I think the president, at least of, a, of, of uh, either the NAACP or maybe one of the chapters of, I don't know. Can't remember who exactly that was, but different people like that on the cameras talking about issues. In fact, he called uh, the gentleman from the NAACP, Mr. President, which I found very odd. Even though the guy was president of the NAACP, it's just not something you say except for to the president of the United States. I mean, at least in that setting, right, when you yourself are running for president, when you yourself have told the audience, you know, people that are listening to you speak, you've said, vote for Joe Biden um, as senator, for senator, 
So for Senator Joe Biden, elected me to the Senate, he said that in front of a crowd. You would think that they would edit that out. See, they could have edited that out. That's what was produced after it had gone through the editing process. Just wait until if this guy is live this week, if this guy is live, I mean, just prepare yourself for what we're about to see. I'm not convinced that he will be live. I don't think he, I mean, from a strategic standpoint, what do they have to lose if it's pre-recorded and edited? I mean, Trump will attack it. We'll, we'll say things about it. But really, what's going to happen as far as it goes with the people that they're trying to reach, at least at this point, which is really rally, rally Democrats in general? I don't think that this is a point in the process where, you know, um, undecideds are going to jump on board. Maybe some do, but I mean, they wouldn't have done so last night based upon anything substantive that I saw. But I want to break this thing down step by step to beginning to end. And we'll talk about this today. I will say a couple of things at the beginning. Number one, number one, the beginning of this convention, this production, this poorly produced production, produced event. It started off, I mean, they were singing America the Beautiful, and they they sang the national anthem, which, first of all, I mean, amazing, right? I would think where, my first thought was, where did all this patriotism come from, from a party that seems to have done nothing but cast hate upon the United States of America. My wife looked over at me as it was showing pictures of people singing uh, the national anthem, or I don't know if the anthem was playing and they were showing photos, but she said, I wonder, because it was just a headshot, are they kneeling in their pictures? What would Cap, what would Kaepernick have to say about this? I wonder what Megan Rapinoe, who I saw, featured at one point on the convention for a few seconds. I wonder what she has to think about this. Is it okay to is it okay to stand for the anthem again? To sing it, to sing America the Beautiful, the national anthem. I have to tell you, I was shocked. I really was because this is a group, remember, a convention not too far in our past. And not too far in our past, there was you know, the party platform uh, for the Democrat Party, which is voted on at the end of or during the convention, um, they wanted to take away reference to God. And they, well, some of them did. And they were talking about the use of God in the in the platform. And, and it was clearly voted down by a voice, uh, voice vote, but they move forward as though they didn't uh, they didn't hear that. So who knows what the rank and file actually think of this stuff, but to but to hear the the anthem and America the beautiful and actually a pastor a pastor that was praying at the beginning and I have to tell you I have to tell you I I I looked at my wife and when when he prayed and he said in Jesus name amen I was also shocked. In fact, I would tell you it was the most shocked I was during the entire convention. I want to be clear for those of you who may be listening to me for the first time or don't know much about me. I'm not suggesting, I'm not suggesting, although someone stated to me and to other Christians from the stage of a church recently that you cannot be a Christian, a true Christian, and vote for Donald Trump, which is complete nonsense and gobbledygook. But anyway, 
I'm not saying you cannot be a Christian and a Democrat. I think you have some difficult questions to answer, in particular questions pertaining to the party's position on abortion. And that is not going away. That is a real threat. And honestly, in fact, I've seen AOC. Did you see AOC attacked John Kasich, former Republican, I guess? He was in the 2016 Republican primary. He was one of the final two candidates in the election, or he thought he was. He was running fourth out of only two candidates in the 2016 campaign, he and Donald Trump, and he was still in fourth place. He had two people to pass that weren't even in the election or in the in the race anymore, but yet he still hung on to hope, and I don't know if he's not uh, – maybe that explains why he's a, uh, okay going to the Democrat stage because he's not good at math and really cannot grasp the mathematical problems and the moral problems brought upon the United States by socialism. But anyway, AOC's criticizing John Kasich before he speaks, saying he's anti-choice, meaning he's pro-life. And so you can't be. They don't they really don't want any pro-choice Democrat voters. I mean, this is pretty obvious where they stand, where the party stands. And how intolerant they are of people that deviate from that very key perspective. And so I would say to my Christian brothers and sisters, I think you can be a sincere follower of Jesus. And I think you can believe that the Democrat Party holds uh, the answers. I think that that's craziness. But I think as, as, a, as a Christian brother, I would say you're going to have to do something with the abortion issue. That is a real a real problem. And I would also maintain on another level that the push towards socialism is a real problem. The amount of theft that is going on, the amount of oppression, the amount of burden that's being placed on the American taxpayer by our government under the guise of serving other people. The church was God's instrument for helping others, not some government program, which you can be – I'm not saying it's anti-God to be in favor of a government program. I'm just saying let's not confuse those things. But abortion is an issue that Christians must must come to grip with. But from a, from a biblical, from a Christian perspective, from a patriotic American and Christian perspective, to see the national anthem and to hear America the Beautiful – and then to hear a pastor praying in Jesus' name, I think I even asked my, my wife, what on earth is going on here? Because this sort of stuff is not is not done. So they came out, the, the pre-produced, this was, I mean, they, they made a decision here. I don't know why. I don't know why they decided to do the national anthem, given how much they've basically, I mean, campaigned against that sort of thing. American pride even standing for the anthem seems to be unacceptable in some democratic circles or some amongst some democratic groups but last night they came out as though they were patriotic so i mean look it's a production they're trying to it's a it's a sales pitch this is if you will this is like watching an infomercial they're trying to at the end get you to basically open up your checkbook and either cut them a check or open up your you know, your your pledge card to say, I'm going to vote for Joe Biden in 2020. That's the point of this thing. That's what this convention is. It's a sales pitch. 
which there's nothing wrong with the sales pitch, but at some point we have to ask ourselves what part of the sales pitch is real, what part of the sales pitch really encapsulates the thinking of the average Democrat candidate, the person that's on the stage and that sort of thing. And so I saw some things that if they are real, I can say, hey, the party's moving in the right direction. They're playing the anthem. They're having a pastor coming up. They're telling it. They're not telling him not to pray in the name of Jesus. That's good stuff. I mean, that's that's good from a perspective of, of freedom of religion and just moving towards, you know, having an ad, uh, admiration and a love for this nation. But that's not what we see day to day with the leaders. I'm talking about the leaders. I'm not talking about the rank-and-file Democrats. I'm talking about the leadership. That's not what we see every day. So that's where this thing started off last night. But it was not very well produced, as we'll talk about today. And the first person that came out, Representative Gwen Moore, I mean, that was, I think, pretty pretty embarrassing as well. She did not um, – I mean, it, it just wasn't very good. This thing wasn't good last night. Even ideas and, and positions, political positions aside, the production value of this thing, how many awkward pauses there were, how many times people started speaking and then have to stop. Representative James Clyburn had to do that. Stop and restart. Just awkward pauses, cutting off things in the middle, bringing us back to the convention at points where we didn't know that the person was talking, what they were saying. It just wasn't... It wasn't well done. There was no energy. The speakers were nervous. Gretchen Whitmer was was really nervous. Um, Muriel Brewster, the the mayor of D.C., did an awful job, I think, as well. I'm not trying to be hateful here. I just this thing wasn't good. I'm just trying to tell you because some of you may not may not have watched one second of this thing, and I can't blame you. But I put myself through this for you, and we'll continue to talk about this. Throughout the remainder of this um, of today's program, and then of course some of the ancillary things that come off of this, which of course there are a lot, including Trump tweets and uh, Cuomo, Governor Cuomo, Andrew Cuomo. I about called him Mario Cuomo, his father, but but uh, Andrew Cuomo, Governor of New York, and so there were some people that went after Trump aggressively as well. We'll talk about all of these things and. Uh, we got to take a break here. Got to take our first time out. You are listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I am your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. And what is this campaign theme? Build back better build back better <laughs> oh i it's well i mean it's just not it's not a good it's not good it is it, they start with the same letters which is great right and in, in in marketing and messaging you want a slogan that's memorable that you can somehow use um, pe- people, it just resonates with people. So that's not necessarily. <laughs> there's things that are memorable that don't really have any meaning. There's things that are memorable that don't have any meaning, but yet they can be used to convince people they have a lot of meaning, like Hope and Change did. Hope and Change was was good from a 
marketing slogan perspective. Make America Great Again was good from a marketing perspective. That one, by the way, actually has some substance to it. It identifies some of the problems that people had who voted for Trump with our government, with our leaders over time. But Build Back Better, I think the only thing I can say about that is that it's memorable because it all they all start with B, build back better. What are they what are they going to build back? So they're going to build back the economy, which by the way was roaring until COVID hit, which there's a I mean the American people, the voter understands this by the way. The voter understands what happens. So they're going to try to paint Trump and they tried to do this last night a little bit. Andrew Cuomo, the audacity of Governor Andrew Cuomo to go up there to basically praise himself for the way that he handled COVID when his state, his state leads in, I believe, still the number of deaths. And I think they are second in the number of deaths per capita. And so he's the poster child on how, and, and you've got the whole nursing home thing, right? The, the way that they handled the nursing home situation, sending patients back, making nursing homes take patients back who were diagnosed with COVID. And then when these poor individuals were sent back to their nursing homes, it spread like wildfire. We still don't even know how many people actually in nursing homes contracted this because of this. There's a direct correlation between that policy and the death of certain nursing home residents. You know, remember at the time when when Cuomo was out there every day with his graphs and charts and the Democrat Party was saying, hey, maybe this is our guy. Maybe this guy should be president instead of Biden. Maybe he should be our nominee, right? That was the early part of that process. People were applauding him, praising him, thinking what he was doing was great and all this sort of stuff. And so... Problem was, problem was, it really, as we begin to find out the information, it really wasn't. And I at the time said, you know, we should neither really praise this guy nor attack him unnecessarily. We're still getting information as to what's to what's happening. And now we 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 know the data. We know again the meteorologist at Fox News in the mornings, and I think maybe on the weekends, Janice Dean. She lost both her. Mother and father-in-law, and she's adamant that the decisions made by Governor Andrew Cuomo, who was one of the speakers last night, who took that debate stage, or well, he didn't take, he took the stage, pre-recorded sort of uh, message, and he was he's the example of how success in dealing with COVID hits, or it, it, what it looks like, how how President Trump should have dealt with it, the state that has the most. Deaths, and I believe the second highest number of deaths per capita. And he's the poster child of success. He is. As though he had nothing to do with this, especially when you factor in policy decisions that we can now say that led to deaths. That led to deaths. Specifically, not something abstract. Something very clear, something that you can actually trace, cause and effect, forcing nursing homes to take back elderly patients who have been diagnosed with coronavirus, positive COVID test, forcing them to take it back, and then 
that virus completely just ravaged these communities, killing huge percentages, huge numbers of people. And we're still just beginning to get the full scope of the damage that that particular policy had caused. I want to know what was what was Trump's what what direct what direct correlation can we say Trump did X and it caused deaths. Well, he didn't order mandatory nationwide shutdown. He didn't coordinate between governors. He didn't do things that had he had had he done at the time they would have called him a dictator and a totalitarian. Instead, he made uh, let governors continue to make decisions. He didn't say that what was good for the city of New York and New York State was necessarily what Montana, Wyoming, and other states around the, the country should do. And of course, that still is the case. I mean, there still is dramatic differences in the amount of infections and deaths from one place to another. And again, that's going to probably continue to to change and evolve and so forth. But anyway, anyway, this was their attack levied on President Trump and his handling of the coronavirus was led by Andrew Cuomo, arguably the governor who's handled this the worst. Now, some people would say, oh, you know, the guy had, you know, the biggest city. There's, there's all the travelers, international travel and all this. And I would think, well, President Trump tried to stop that to some degree by limiting travel from China, limiting travel from Europe. Oh, well, see, the coronavirus was here earlier than people understood. Okay, but I don't understand why that's you – know, it would be one thing if we had people clamoring and telling Trump back in September and October that this was coming. We didn't hear about this. We didn't hear about this until at least December and maybe even January, which, by the way – is when the Democrat Party was engaged in all-out impeachment of the President of the United States over, no pun intended, trumped-up charges over collusion with the foreign country, which is the Ukraine version of the Russian collusion story. They want you to forget that. This has been a banner year. We went from impeachment to COVID to riots in the streets, cities on fire, back to COVID, and now here we are heading to the Democrat National Convention, and they have it all together. They have the answers to all these problems. That's what they want you to think. Biden is one election away from curing curing cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, and probably, probably COVID as well. Folks, if you didn't see this thing last night, I'm telling you, it was uninspiring. It was not well done. It was awkward. They had loony candidates up on on stage gretchen whitmer she was another one that was um what uh, i guess kind of lecturing trump on how to handle covid the state of michigan who wouldn't even let people go out on a fishing boat by themselves in the middle of a lake because that was deemed dangerous and of course her husband her husband called up the marina asking for special uh, treatment for his boat, his family's boat, wanting to know if it helped get his boat out into the water any sooner if the people working at the boat dock knew that his wife was governor of the state of Michigan. This is the best and the brightest. This is who they want to trot. We haven't seen AOC yet, but this is who they want to trot out in front of those cameras. These are staged, canned performances, 
and they are at this point in time night number one falling flat on their face i will say there's one exception and we'll talk about that after the break but this thing was pathetic last night it really was uninspiring just uh i think a i think a metaphorical train wreck is is happening before our eyes hopefully the republicans <laughs> learn and it's it's partially because of the the ideas and the people that are on stage but it's also because conventions have a certain feel and energy that will be absent in 2020 because it's all digital or virtual and all this sort of stuff so Anyway, night two is tonight, but I've got more to say about night number one. We'll continue this when we get back. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. I mentioned there was one speech or one performance or one part of the production last night that and I'm okay so I am not talking about the ideas that were mentioned in this part of the production I'm just talking about look the like this or not these things are very superficial very you know, uh, they're designed to almost communicate at the lowest common denominator, meaning we're not really I'm not analyzing what was said specifically. I'm just saying based upon the the look, the feel, just the basic, you know, did this seem to, to go well? Did, th- did this part not was this part not a disaster? That was really the bar last night because. So many of these things did not go off as planned. But I will say, Michelle Obama, she is she is good at this. Now, I will also say, if you broke her speech up, at least in my mind, I broke it up into two sections. There was the part at the beginning that I think could resonate with a lot of people. Right? Resonate with a lot of people. In fact, I would say that a lot of what she said would be the closest thing. You've heard me on this program say I've been looking far and wide for something to compare to conservative, not bitter, on the liberal side. Been looking high and low. I don't I can't find it. I can't find it on MSNBC. I can't find it on CNN. I see hatred. I see rage. I see desires for the president to be dead. Literally, people wishing the president dead happened even over the weekend. Hashtag wrong Trump because Robert Trump, the brother of Donald Trump, dies tragically over the weekend at 71 or 72. There were conflicting reports on his actual on his actual age, but he died at early 70s. And people are saying that, you know, it the wrong Trump died. Wishing President Trump, I mean, this is reprehensible, wishing the President of the United States, wishing anyone would die. And we have pastors, I mentioned yesterday, there was a bishop who was basically tweeting tweeting out pictures. There was one that I saw that he tweeted out with a noose back from when Obama was president. And it said under there, hang in there, Obama. And it had a picture of a noose, which is bad and reprehensible. 
right? I mean, this the idea that because someone posted that in 2009 or 12 or whenever it was, that suddenly you're justified in saying that the wrong, you know, the wrong Trump died is is nonsense, is stupid, is from a Christian pastor, a pastor. So, Supposedly, I mean that's I mean that's what he claims to be. This is unacceptable talk. And as I said in the, the tweet yesterday, I must have missed the passage in the Bible that that says it's okay to wish death on your political foe because someone else years prior wished death, or you can make the case did. Back in you know years before, so therefore you're justified. You just you have to stop, just stop the nonsense, stop the justification. But there's the point in mentioning all that is to say there is no version of liberal not bitter in today's politics right now. There's not. There's liberal and enraged. There's liberal and tearful. There's liberal and militant. There's liberal and uh, you know, radical rioter. There's not liberal, not bitter, at least on the the you know the scale and in a, a, a consistent voice coming from the left. That's you know that's got people that pay attention and so forth. They're just not not in liberal talk, not in liberal politics. They like to stir things up. They like to cause divisions and animosity. They like to play to these emotions because it helps them electorally. It helps them fundraise. It helps them get out the vote. Helps all this stuff, or they think it does. But I will say the first part of Michelle Obama's speech had an inkling, and I'm just going to give it an inkling because at the last part of that speech, I mean, she went into, you know, she lit into President Trump as well, but an inkling of, of, potential of what might be construed as or interpreted as. I'm not even saying it really was, but perceived as potentially an inkling, just a smidge. I want to be careful here. There's still no comparable liberal not bitter uh, outlet or source or individual that I've seen. But there was an inkling of that last night. And the first part of what Michelle Obama was saying, appealing to our our sensibilities, at least trying to, talking about her love for this country and not wanting to be involved in politics and, you know, but she can't stand by. Then she went into Trump and basically that whole thing kind of changed. But, but out of all the people last night, the only one, and I'm just telling you as objectively as I can, the rest of this stuff was a, a sideshow, not well produced Sometimes ideologically unhinged, Bernie Sanders, of course, spoke. His purpose was to make sure his voters all voted Democrat because there's some discontent there. But Michelle Obama was the only one that came out and communicated in such a way that I thought, if you know, she might be able to to reach people um, in ways that these radicals cannot. Hers felt a little bit differently, at least the first half of it. It didn't end up there, but that's the first half. I'm not saying I agreed with any of it. I'm just telling you from a political perspective, superficial politics perspective, when you run into someone in the office today and they say something about Michelle Obama's speech, um, it's because it, it had a different feel than this other stuff. The other folks were there to 
to rally the base and to get them fired up and to tap into the hatred of Trump. And that is eventually where Michelle Obama went as well, I would argue. But it's not necessarily the toner, uh, the tenor and tone of her speech at the beginning. So anyway, continue breaking down this convention. When we get back, you're listening to the home of conservative, not bitter talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff, back in just a minute. Welcome back. So I was long in the previous segments. This is going to be a very truncated segment. Uh, segment. We will continue talking about the convention. We'll continue talking about some of the things that came out of the convention, related to the convention. May even talk a little bit about this fight, this latest drama over the Postal Service and how Trump is trying to steal the election. Remember back in 2016 when Trump said that the election was rigged, and Hillary lectured everybody about how Trump was undermining our confidence in the American system. Remember this? Trump was just, oh, so dangerous, and now they've spent the last four years telling us how Trump stole the 2016 election, and they're setting us up for how he's going to steal the 2020 election, which seems bizarre, seems bizarre from those who tell us or want us to think that a Biden victory is a foregone conclusion. It seems to me that if you wanted people to believe that Joe Biden was going to be legitimately our next president of the United States, but if that's the case, then it seems to me you wouldn't be undermining the election results quite so bad. You wouldn't want to do that and cause doubt and uncertainty in the minds of, of Americans. But that's where we are. That's what they're going to do. That's how they've they're this is these are the cards that they are just, that they've decided they're going to play, and this is after night one of the convention. <laughs> I mean, in some ways, it only has it can only go up from here, but in other ways, I feel like this uh, last night is a a sign of more things to come. And it's not just the ideas; it's the production value, which is really scary if you're a Democrat because this is what this is all that they've got. This is all that they've got. They've got the smoke and mirrors, the production, the marketing value. If they can't hit the the point on this, what else are they going to do? Where else do they turn? Got to take a break. Come back and wrap up hour number one. You're listening to Conservative Not Better Talk. I'm your host, Todd Huff. Back in just a minute. Welcome back. Okay, so here we are, hour number one coming quickly to an end. We'll continue this conversation on in hour number two. Hour number two talking, again, a little bit more about the convention and also um, about the – well, some other – the other things in, in politics and some things that intersect with the convention, maybe a little bit about the post office as well. But we will be on YouTube for hour number two. Just go to the Todd Huff Show on YouTube, so long as I guess they've uh, not blocked us as Facebook has, you still can't get to our website through Facebook. I have no idea why. No idea why we've reconfirmed our identity so that they know I'm not a Russian agent. But of course, I'm a conservative, so I got to be having some angle here to try to steal the election for President Trump. I got to go see you in hour number two, SDG. SDG. 